Welcome to Core Parenting Conversations with Kaylee. My name is Kaylee Kukla, and I've spent the last decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my book knowledge and combining it with real life experiences to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations that always include practical tips so you can walk away feeling inspired and empowered to make simple yet impactful changes in your family's life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another Core Parenting Conversation with Kaylee. I'm your host, Kaylee Kukla, and I am so excited you are here today. This week's conversation is with parent coach, high school mentor, and author, DJ Johnson. I want to let you know ahead of time that we discuss some inspirational content, including trauma healing, just in case you have young or sensitive ears nearby. It's nothing graphic, but DJ's story is one that highlights the gritty work that goes into becoming a conscious parent. This podcast is about half of our full-length conversation. We just kept going. It was so much fun. It was such a meaningful conversation. The full-length conversation will be available to all core members during a weekly Q&A that I host inside of our community. If this podcast resonates with you, please let me know by writing a review and or sharing it on social and tagging me. Now, let's dive in to this core parenting conversation. All right, DJ, I'm going to say welcome back to the show. <laughs> See, I was wondering if we were going to let the people know about the details of this, but you outright started yep. it off with that. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. So for listeners who um, will just tell you our story, our joint story, and then we'll jump into DJ's. DJ and I interviewed, had this conversation like two months ago. I thought yeah. I was being all prepared. And when one side of the conversation doesn't record, you can't make a podcast, <laughs> which much. being a newbie to this, I learned. And so DJ was generous and gracious enough to come back and re-record what I think is just going to be another incredible conversation for people to hear. So thank you very, very much. <laughs> thank you. I When I sent me the message, it was like, hey, we got to try to save the episode. I was trying my best to do it on my end. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> here's my availability if you want to run it yeah. back. Yeah. No, the technology is not my strong suit. So when they started troubleshooting with me, I was like, you're talking to the wrong girl. <laughs> you're talking to the wrong girl. So what you're saying is it's a lost cause. Okay, got Yeah, it. I'm like, oh, we'll just scratch it and start over. So, but the reason why I'm just so passionate about bringing you on is so much a part of my parenting platform and the message that I try and share with parents is like, I started with behavior, you know, children's mm -hmm. behavior, let's pick it apart. And the more I tried to decode children's behavior and explain it to parents, the more I realized how incredibly impactful our responses to children's behavior and how much baggage 
we carry into the exchange. And so then I started uncovering it with parents and saying, okay, let, we've got to talk about not just our children's behavior, but our own. (laughs) And that's why the first episode of this podcast was me telling my story, because I think when we start owning our own stories and we start not just understanding them to understand ourselves, but also using them to fuel our missions and to parent in different ways with more intention. I feel like that's where our power, like so much power comes from that place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This episode is made possible by Kaylee's core community. The core community membership is a community of people committed to intentional parenting through the power of relationships. All members gain access to The Vault, which has over 20 workshops on topics ranging from parental triggers to whining, with a new one added every single month on so many various topics. Members also get workbooks, journals, inventories, books for children, and a weekly Q&A with Kaylee, all within a private website and a private Facebook group where we share weekly commitments, parenting wins, encouragement, and solidarity for those tough parenting moments. Learn more at www.kayleekukla.com backslash core, C-O-R which stands for Centered on Relationships. The link is in the show notes. Now back to this core conversation. Your story is power. And so I just wanted to open the floor to you and be like, tell me, tell listeners, you're parenting coach now, but how did that start? Yeah, it's quite the journey. So I... And my name is DeAntoine Johnson. I go by DJ. Um, and I am a person who very recently got on Instagram and just started talking about parenting. And it came from a place of, you know, my work with students. But before even that, it was kind of birthed from a childhood that I, in the moment, didn't realize was a traumatic childhood. But as I've had the opportunity to reflect and, and kind of go through life, learned that If you're familiar with the A-score, Adverse Childhood Experience, my life, my traumatic life scored a 9 to 10. I I always have to take it because I have to make sure. But uh, lately, I just it's a 10. The last couple of times I've taken it, I scored a 10 on the A-score. And that all that trauma would have happened before I got into high school. And so what, what is this trauma that I experienced? Well, I had a mother and a father who had me when they were 16. And from there, my dad essentially wasn't in my life throughout. And then my mother married my stepfather, who happened to be abusive. And so he was abusive to her. He was abusive to us. And ultimately, in all that craziness, I ended up going into the foster care system when I was in about the fourth grade. And was in the system through up until I aged out in, in high school. Now, thankfully, I never was kind of open about that because I stay with family. And if, and if you know, that's what they consider kinship. And so I didn't always believe that my experience in foster care was like, like what we typically hear about a foster care youth experience. And the other part of that was my life before foster care was crazy and traumatic. And so foster care in a sense kind of saved me from that life. So how did I evolve to a person who cares deeply about helping parents better com- connect with their students? So with all that trauma, it wasn't until about high school, I would say, 
not even high school, I would say um, college, where I really learned and understood like what trauma is. And so I remember like either being in class, maybe psychology or whatever it might be. And I remember thinking like, whoa, like that's what it is. Like, I just thought that's what happens in our families. I just thought this is what you get when you get in trouble. I just accepted all those things as a normal thing. And then it really started to dawn on me like, whoa, this is why I have this like what people would deem a weird trust against my family. This is why I tend to make friends with complete strangers more than I do with my family. And so I I started kind of putting the pieces together and it was in college. I was probably like 20, 21, 22. And I would have these bouts of like looking at my life and kind of feeling depressed about it and feeling sad and feeling like, well, dang, what's what's happening here? Like, why are my relationships doing the things that they're doing? And why am I constantly running and, and trying to figure things out about my life? Like, what's happening? Like, I graduated from high school. I'm in college. I'm essentially being more successful than my family has been. Like, what is going on? And so, unfortunately, I never even went into therapy until I was about 27, 28, like just recently in a, over the last, you know, several years. And so, for a person that go through all that trauma and just kind of, you know, in retrospect, looking back at my life, experiencing and seeing all the different ways that trauma impacted my life in my young adult years. And then I just kind of looked back and like, okay, what was it that helped you get to at least this place? And it was, um, I used to write poetry and um, I play sports. And so I had some healthy coping mechanisms that kind of allowed me to kind of get to that point. So when I started working with students now, I first started with the, you know, elementary age kiddos in 2009. And then it evolved in around 2013, maybe even sooner with high school or older kids. And the more I started working with those kids, the more I realized that, whoa, these kids are going through the same stuff that I was going through when I was a kid. And then the other thing I realized is the more, as you said, we try to you know, peel back the behavior and try to understand what's going on and try to, you know, figure out what's happening for them. It kept going back to one thing, those dang adults in their lives. <laughs> I was like, wait, what's he, what's he going to say? Here? <laughs> what? Okay. And I think, like, there's so many things in your story. I want people like threads that I want okay. to bring into people's awareness. And there's more y'all. Mm-hmm. Cause I like, there's more, so we're not done yet, but one of the things you said that I was like, oh, yes, was this idea that it's so normal. Like you don't know as a child who also grew up in a dysfunctional house. And I talked a little bit about that on the first episode. So if you want to go back, I talk about this lens that it creates for us, right? And our early experiences and our early family of origin, whatever that family of origin looks like. So for you, it was really more your mom and your stepdad, right? Was that from your earlier memories? Yeah. It gives us this lens of how the world is supposed to work because as young children, we don't know anything different. And so then when you start breaking out of that and experiencing either different families, different households, different upbringings, and you're going to get to the part in your story, I know it's coming about when your wife, you and your wife got together and you were, she was like, Hey, like, no, those things, you know, not wanting to be around your family and making being BFFs with strangers or whatever, like yeah. feeling more comfortable around strangers than you do your own family. Like that's not 
Like not everybody is like that. Whoa, what is that? So when you got to your 20s, was there a curiosity? Was it just like this? I had a lot of angsty anger, like angsty. Mm -hmm. You know, I was at the gym today. They asked me, they're like, what do you want us to play? And I was like, punk rock from the early 2000s. (laughs) The angstier, the better. And I was jamming Mm -hmm. out to it because I was like my theme. Those were my theme songs when I was, you know, a teenager. So do you think there was that angst and anger or when did it switch to curiosity? Like, was it when you were working with the younger kids and you saw it or what was that switch? So I think it was, a, a, you know, so I didn't start working with them until 2009. And so I had a moment in 2007 into 2008. So I just graduated from high school as a freshman in, in, in college. And so when I moved, I'm from Indiana originally, right before my senior year of high school, I was living with an auntie at the time. And we, my junior year had lived in Indianapolis, which I'm from Fort Wayne. So it was like night and day difference um, living in that city for a year. And I was like, whoa, this is great. Made good friends, went to a nice high school, a dope high school. And so when she came to us and was like, we're moving back, I was like, whoa, no, I was fighting it. I was, we, we were going at it the whole summer. And so Long story short, she essentially came to me one day because I kept trying to go back to Indianapolis. We had family there and I was trying to convince them to let me stay. And it was just a whole thing. And so one day she was like, look, you can't go to Indianapolis, but you can go to California. And so I was like, all right, I looked looked into it. (laughs) I have family out there. And I was like, you know what? I think I can make this happen. Like, I'll go there for high school, get a year of residency, and then I'll be able to kind of go to a college there and have in-state tuition. And so I ended up doing that. But even when I live with my auntie, like I appreciate her taking me in, but I always kind of kept, you know, my family mm-hmm. at a distance, at mm-hmm. a bay. Cause the most hurt that I've ever experienced in my life came from people who were supposed to love me. Yeah. And I call it when I work with students, I say, that's hurt, hurt. Hurt is like, oh, you know, I got hurt, got a little boo-boo, got a little something, something. Hurt, hurt is like a hurt that is just indescribable. That is just like, how could you do this to me? Because hurt, hurt literally shifts the dynamic of what hurt will ever be for you in the future. Yes. Because it's the yeah. people who love you the most are willing to hurt you in that way, in that aspect. Like the people <laughs> that you are the most vulnerable with, because yes. there's just this innate trust, right? We're yes. just wired to trust those people. Exactly. So we show them our soft underbelly. I always picture yep. like the dog rolling over for the belly <laughs> oh, yeah. rub. And yep. that's when they stomp on you. Yeah. And so they're they're stomping on the most vulnerable part of you. Yeah. And that's a hurt. I tell my husband, like there have been times where the hurt is so great. I physically, it's, it's physical. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's all emotional, but it's, it becomes physical is how strong it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a hurt and pain that you don't really ever want to experience again. And so Mm -hmm. that's when we talk about people putting up walls and having blocks and I call (laughs) it the Heisman, right? Like doing all these different things (laughs) to keep people away from us. We do it with people who actually will care for us, who actually won't hurt us. Mm -hmm. And right. So I remember kind of going back and forth from my auntie and I would see at least one moment or two moments where I'm like, oh, she can't be trusted. And so now I'm pushing back. And so that whole summer, we're fighting. And then I get to California. I'm living with my aunt, new auntie now. And it was the end of my freshman year. It was me and my auntie living in her house, two bedroom house, just us. And then her daughter moved in. 
and her kids moved in. And so I was like, all right, cool. You know, who am I? Like this lady welcomed me into her home. Who am I to judge that we got some extra company? Right. But then like my cousin would, you know, ask me to take her kids to school sometimes. And I was working at Target. I was going to college. I had to commute about 20 miles to college down the highway or freeway. And so, um, you know, I was feeling some way like, whoa, I got to you know, take care of kids to school. Like, you're not giving me gas money. Like I was kind of, you know, fighting her. And so one day I was in my feelings, I was upset and I went off on her and we got a big argument and I ended up going to school. And that was that my auntie calls me and was like, Hey, you're not being a team player. You know, I heard what happened, yada, yada. If you can't be a team player, do you need to uh, maybe consider living somewhere else? Mm. And so me being the hurt kid in my feelings, not really trusting people and specifically family. I was like, all right, I'll move in. I don't care. I can do it. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so Hyper literally that, that day <laughs> I ended up going to, um, I ended up texting some friends. I had, can I stay with you or whatever? I ended up finding a place to stay, got a couple of things and I was out and I was at least smart enough. Cause it was literally a week or two weeks, you know, before finals or something. And I remember like being smart enough to still finish my finals, finish the semester and one of the friends that I had text was a friend that I actually met my junior year who was in Indianapolis when I met him and they moved to Florida, which is where he was living before he moved to Indianapolis. And so he's like, yo, come live with me. We'll go to college. We'll have a good time. It'll be all good. Remember I mentioned I befriend strangers more than I you know, am close with my family. And so ended up finishing the semester, got a one-way ticket to Orlando, uh, Florida, and made that move. Ended up making that move. I get there, staying with my friend and his family. And, and then people are like, what is the story, Leah? Trust me, it's going to lead to something. It's so, so good, I, guys. It's so good. <laughs> so I ended up going to Florida. Um, I'm staying with my friend. We ultimately work ourselves up to a point where we got our own place. Now, it's me, him, and his cousin, three of us, three-bedroom townhome. We living it up. I got two jobs at this time. I was going to say, you got at, your own frat house oh, there. Yeah, like, it's exactly. gravy. Yeah. I'm working at Second City. I'm working at Sam's Club. I'm, I'm providing for myself. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace, Second City. Throwback. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing the dang thing. Well, my trauma, I didn't deal with that. I just ran from it, right? My trauma yeah. is still present in my body, in my mind, in my spirit. Mm-hmm. His dad is was an alcoholic. I'm mentioning that because that was one of the triggers for my childhood. My stepdad was an alcoholic. And I remember on his alcoholic binges, him being abusive to my mother, to my father, to my family. And so his dad would come over and bother us and drunk. It happened a few times. And so one last time I was upset. I was in my feelings. He came over really drunk. And I was like, yo, like, why do you have to keep bothering us? Like we work, we pay our own bills. We're taking care of our stuff. We're doing what we're supposed to. Like, why do you keep coming over here? And he was just not wanting to hear from me that day. And he started cursing me out. You mother, you this, who do you think you are? Yada, yada, like going off of me. And I I kid you not, this man picks up a steel chair. Like if we were in the WWE and throws it at my head, hit me in my head. And all that I remember... (laughs) (laughs) is I just, time just kind of slowed down for a moment. 
And I literally felt like I had the devil on one side and the angel on one side. Y'all know the devil on this, this side. And I I used to be an angry kid. I used to fight a lot. And so the devil was like, oh, whoop his butt right yeah. now. Right. right. <laughs> and the yeah. angel was like, okay, let's think about this for a moment, DJ. I know you kind of separated yourself from your family right now, but you literally have nobody who could take get you out of jail if it got to that point. And he was so drunk and I was so angry that it probably would have got to that point. Yep. And so the angel was like, DJ, like you literally could go to jail and he has his family here. His family's going to surround him at the hospital. If it got to that point, there's not, there's nobody here who's going to be like, Oh, I got you DJ or nobody was there to protect. So that was that moment. The other moment was like, just, you're really going to regret hurting this man who is so inebriated that he don't even realize what he's doing. He don't even realize he's upsetting you. He doesn't even realize he probably don't even remember he threw this chair at you. Like this will not be a good decision. And then the devil chimed in one more time and was like, kick his butt. I don't care what he's saying. Kick his butt right now. And I, in that moment was able to take a deep breath and literally walk up. And as I was walking out, my grandma, who lived in, great-grandmother lived in California, she was very upset when I left California. She made me promise to call her consistently to check in with her. And so I called her and I said, grandma, I was mad. And you know, I was so mad. I was cursing, not at grandma, but I was cursing in the conversation. Right, right. right. And she said something to me that has stuck with me since. And she said, baby, you keep running from your problems. Oh. You keep running from something and you're not dealing with them and you're not challenge like you're not challenging whatever it is that's keeping man, you man that i got goosebumps that grandma wisdom <laughs> oh that man grandma wisdom there's nothing like that in that moment as heated oh, as i was right and i after that i was like okay grandma you're right yeah and i just remember still dealing with my trauma the way that i dealt with it right suppressing keeping it to myself I remember, I think I was there for another couple of weeks. And I remember that week after that incident, I literally would go to work. I would come home. I'd go straight to my room. I wouldn't say nothing to nobody. Like I just, I only talked when I had to at work. But when I got home, I went straight to my room. Like I didn't even have a bed in my room. I just had like a comfort. Like I, I think I maybe had an air mattress. I don't even remember. But like, I just remember going straight to my room. Until, you know, a couple of days when I did come out and I was like, hey, I'm moving back to California. Like, I just can't do this. Mm -hmm. And so that that moment and the reason why I told that story, that was the moment I realized all these people who have hurt me in my life. I probably have put myself in a position where I might have hurt myself more than any of them. And so how do I now get to a space where I can start to forgive these people who hurt me? Because me not forgiving them, me holding back or being angry and frustrated, holding on to all that hurt and that frustration and all those different things that they did to me was keeping me from being the best version of myself. It was keeping me from really realizing the potential that I had over my life. And so I realized like my life was built off blaming others for the things that were happening in my life. And I finally got to a place where I was like, okay, now it's time for me to take responsibility for the things that I can take responsibility for. This episode is made possible by Kaylee's core community. The core community membership is a community of people committed to intentional parenting through the power of relationships. All members gain access to The Vault, which has over 20 workshops on topics ranging from parental triggers to whining with a new one added every single month on so many various topics. 
Members also get workbooks, journals, inventories, books for children, and a weekly Q&A with Kaylee, all within a private website and a private Facebook group where we share weekly commitments, parenting wins, encouragement, and solidarity for those tough parenting moments. Learn more at www.kayleekukla.com backslash core, C-O-R, which stands for Centered on Relationships. The link is in the show notes. Now back to this core conversation. This might be a weird question, but I think it'll make sense having done the work, right? Did you know that your anger at that point, your anger, your rage, your running, your behavior, all that stuff, did you know it stemmed from trauma? Like, had you named it yet? Or were you just like angry and you're like, I got to figure out this anger? I I don't think I knew it how I know it today. I think I just knew that I was angry and frustrated from what had happened in my childhood. I didn't name it as trauma yet. I just named it as my dad wasn't in my life. My mom left me. And I just, that was that. That's what you know, my stepdad. So you was, had, so, yeah. you had enough things to point because this is what I want yeah. people to hear. People who are listening to this, they may feel like, well, he did this and she did that. And yeah. you know, the blame, the blame, the blame. And what I want people to hear from this is like blame. What blame is, is this is so uncomfortable. This it's so painful. Like we were talking about that hurt, hurt. This is so painful. I need to offload it. So I'm going to offload it by pointing the finger and saying, this is your fault. You did this. And now I've got to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. Right. So even if you're like, well, I don't have aces. And for people just going back, the adverse childhood experiences, there's 10 of them on, there's more, I mean, there's more than 10, but on the official study, like on the rating scale, there's, there's 10 aces and you can just Google that and checklist it. And essentially if you're, I think it's like four or more is considered, you know, at risk. Oh yeah. Yep. So anyway, that being said, when you've had all of those experiences, or maybe you're like, well, you know, I wasn't in foster care. I, you know, my, both my parents were present, like all these things. But if you still experienced hurt and you never deal with the hurt, if you just find yourself quick to anger, consistently angry, like more angry than not angry, you know, consistently frustrated, harboring resentment, that's the stuff on the surface we can see, right? Those are the signals. So you saw the, you know, quick to anger, the big trigger of having someone inebriated in front of you like that. Obviously, for any of us who've grown out, you know, up around mm-hmm. abusive alcoholics, that's a big trigger. So all of those things, you saw the disproportional reactions. You yeah. saw this just like angry running away. Well, your grandma saw it and then she made you aware of the yeah. <laughs> running. <laughs> they <laughs> made sense what she mentioned. Yeah. It. <laughs> You're like, oh, dang, you're right. I know. But that's what like, again, just like with our children, we see the superficial stuff. And then like we start peeling it back and we're like, Oh, well, okay. I have no control over the fact of my dad left, my mom left, but I can control how I now view that, perceive it, what I do with that, what that means in my, like the place that that now takes up in my life, right? How much power that has in my life now. Yeah. You know, the way that the old school folks want us to parent is 
far and beyond easier than parenting in in this way. And I think what people have to realize is, do you want it quick and easy, but it's not sustainable? Or do you want something that's going to, that's hard, that's challenging, but it's going to be something that can last a lifetime as far as life skills, as far as not breaking our kids' spirits so they can ultimately become who we want them to become. Here's the thing. Like I had this thought when you were talking, old school parenting is high demand on the child. Yes. High demand. What we're doing is high demand on the parent. As it should be. Oh, As it should be. This should be like... A highlight clip or something—that's <laughs> good. Like, we just like <laughs> bam because yeah. oh my gosh, we are the adults. We yes. have the most practice. We have the most life experience. Yes. Like my cat—it's not a catchphrase, but like a phrase that I say over and over and over and over again is, "We cannot hold our children to a higher standard than we hold ourselves." Nope. Like I have to set the bar and wherever my yeah. bar is and, you know, my bar gets higher as I heal yeah. and I'm not the parent I was two years ago. I'm not the parent I was four years Absolutely. ago. Like, thank God I've evolved. Like, seriously, thank you, God, that I have evolved yeah. from that, those places. And I'm hoping that I'm a different parent in three years and in five years, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to stop growing. And, and so I think that's just so powerful for people to hear is that this is the harder work, yeah. but the payoff is just my, our kids will get to pick up where we leave off yeah. and carry the baton that much farther and get that much farther. You know, and I think that we've talked a lot about trauma. We've talked about the ACEs. We've talked mm-hmm. about parents who weren't available either physically or emotionally to us growing yeah. up. And I just, my firm belief, you know, that lens that I've kind of reestablished on myself is everybody does the best they can with what they have available in those moments. Yeah. And yeah. our parents, I really do believe, and I don't know, I might be speaking on a turn for yours as well, but they did the best they could yeah. with what they had available. They just had less, you know, whether yeah. it's emotionally or physically or whatever yeah. those resources are. And so isn't it a gift that we get to pick up where they left off Yeah, and our kids do too? I think what makes it even more challenging, I think a lot of people are going to relate to this. Like it's work because of the many people in society that are still think a certain way about kids, right? Because so much of our parenting is fighting against these fools and what they think. (laughs) So we're like, dang, I got to be conscious to my kid. Then I got to deal with your mess. And then I got, oh, that's a lot. There's a lot of consciousness involved in this. This is not what I signed up for. (laughs) Absolutely. That's what I'm like. Sometimes I'm like, just put your blinders on, you know? I mean, just the most profound work we can do is within ourselves and within our home. And that's what you're most passionate about talking about. And that's what I'm the most passionate talking (laughs) about. And so I feel so connected to that and to you because of that. So thank you very much. Same. I, like I said, I was just thinking like, damn, it's been an hour already. I know. I'm sorry. I kept you so long. (laughs) No, it's all good. I got some time right now. So it's okay. But I just, I just literally just posted about this uh, yesterday, I think, or within the last couple of days. And that's that being safe. Um, mm, yes. Like how can we be yes. a safe haven in our home, right? Knowing, like, the, the thing that I have disagreed with the old school way so much is that the old school way feels like they got to harden you in the home so you can be hardened enough to 
withstand mm. the hardness of the society in the world. And my philosophy is like, yo, like, then if that's the case, where am I safe? Like, where can I go where I can, my mistakes won't be made a big deal? Where can I go where I can receive the love and attention and care that I need naturally? Like, your home needs to be that, like, and worry about the rest later. But what we find is that when your home is a safe haven for your kiddos, then they can go out into the world and withstand. In fact, they will go out into the world and little by little make this hard world a better place. More gentle, yes. <laughs> Gentler. We don't need hard people going into a hardened world. We no. need our children going in there with the tools and the ability to recharge so that they can yeah. change the world because yeah. that's what needs to happen. Yeah. And I, Who's, that is, that's a good point. <laughs> I'm just I, like, we're at it. You know, DJ, we have had a reckoning in, I feel like every year, the past two years, there have been major reckonings in our mm-hmm. society and things are just asking to be shook and man, we're trying and it's only going to happen grassroots. And the only way that's going to happen is if we look and we say, where is it in me? You know, where's the change that needs to happen in me? And start it in our homes and carry that out in our communities. So thank you for being willing to come back on this platform and bring it to our communities to do it. It's just so infectious and I'm excited. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Kaylee. I really appreciate it. Until next time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much to DJ for joining me today. This was actually DJ's second time speaking with me since our first conversation had technical glitches, which we got a good laugh about in the beginning of the episode. I'm so thrilled that we got a chance to persevere and bring this message to you. I often get asked by the moms with whom I work for tips on talking to their partners. I hope that This is a conversation that dads, partners, and male caregivers can walk away from and feel inspired to pursue their own growth. Maybe y'all can even listen to it together if that feels right for you. The best way to support these core parenting conversations is by sharing with a friend, share it on social, or leave a review, or all of those things. If you feel led and have the time, I would so appreciate it. All of these options help support this podcast and help me know what kind of conversations you enjoy the most. Many of these are actually inspired by our ongoing conversations in the core membership. For more parenting support, check out www.kayleekukla.com to learn more about my core membership program. Thanks for joining me on this core conversation and have a wonderful week.